2: F A fam, how do you do? What is going on? Bringing you another sleeper video here tonight. We are hitting on the wide receiver position, and much like what we talked about with the quarterback show. If you haven't watched that one, go back and check that one out after this one's over. But the way that we are defining sleeper, there are there are no more sleepers with with as much content, fantasy football content, is out there everybody is being talked about at one point or another. So basically the way that we have decided to attack this in terms of sleepers are guys that we just feel like are being overlooked and undervalued in drafts right now. Whenever we bring up any ADP, we are referencing underdog ADP, just uh, just so you keep that in mind. That is definitely the, the best ADP to look at at this point because there's actually money behind these. We're just going to rock right into this. Kev, the floor is yours first. Who is the first wide receiver sleeper for 2021 that you want to wax poetic about?
0: Yeah, this is, I mean, this isn't necessarily really a late round guy, but Jerry Judy uh, going in the seventh round right now, late seventh, early eighth round in most drafts. And coming off a, you know, I wouldn't say it was a great rookie year, but like it it certainly wasn't bad. 52 receptions for 856 yards and three touchdowns at that monster game at the end of the year. Won me a lot of DFS money. He ended up with 113 targets. He had 21% of the target share. He was sixth in air yards, 25 deep targets, which was seventh among all wide receivers. 285 yards after catch, which is 34th. He only averaged about 9.7 fantasy points per game. So it uh, wasn't a great option. And I think as of right now, you look at him, you know, in this Denver offense, you know, Corlin Sutton, will they will get him back healthy. Uh, they drafted Javante Williams, upgraded their offensive line. And so I, I do think that this offense can be better this year, whether it's with Drew Locke or – I mean, there is all rumors now pointing to either Aaron Rodgers, and now even we're getting Deshaun Watson rumors that he wants to go to Denver. So it sounds like that, you know, one of these two quarterbacks could end up being the, the starting quarterback for, for the Denver Broncos. Now, Watson, I don't know because of all those legal troubles and everything else that he has going on. You know, if Aaron Rodgers gets traded to the Denver Broncos, all these guys' ADP is going to skyrocket, right? Like, Cortland Sutton is going to go much higher than what he's going. Jerry Judy's going to go up. Noah offense going to go up. Like, this offense could go from, uh, to real sexy, real quick. But with Jerry Judy himself, I, I just think that he takes another step forward this year. You know, I think it actually helps him to get Cortland Sutton back on the field to kind of take some of that off of him. Um, he did; he played 28 uh, percent of the percent of snaps from the slot. I think you could see more of that. I like to see that he was utilized as a deep threat. Now he probably loses some of that with Cortland Sutton coming back. We know that the, you know that's Sutton's jam, but you know he was also 16.5 yards per reception, which is also top ten among all wide receivers. I just think Jerry Judy's being a little slept on right now among all of the rookie wide receivers or the second year wide receivers from last year that are coming out. So um, I like his upside. I think he can be a solid wide receiver three on most weeks. You know, if you're waiting a little bit longer to get a wide receiver, but I do think he has, I think he has wide receiver two upside and he definitely has wide receiver two upside. If Aaron Rodgers gets traded to the Denver Broncos, because this offense becomes pretty damn scary. If Aaron Rodgers gets traded there.
2: Yeah. It's crazy how quick we are to forget just how much of a stud Jerry Judy was coming out of uh, coming out of Bama. And he still had a, a very respectable year in what was a you know a pretty putrid offense. They they had a lot go wrong for him. So I think even if it is Drew Locke, he's actually somebody we probably could have brought up in passing on the quarterback sleeper show, you know, as long as nothing crazy happens like with what you were just talking about. But I think with him, you know, if it does end up being Locke, him getting the same offensive coordinator for two years in a row. I think will be a will be a big boost for him, so I, I like that call. And Judy is someone who I'm trying to get in dynasty leagues. Another young wide receiver who I think is being slept on at this point of the off is Marquise Hollywood Brown. Currently going off of underdog drafts as wide receiver 43. So again, underdog obviously best ball. So in like your regular redraft leagues, he's probably gonna go a little bit later than that, even. And the the reason why I am I, I've been pounding the table for Marquise Brown this offseason is there are two things that I think are are huge in his favor that, that are working for him. And they both kind of coincide with each other. One is the additions of Rashad Bateman in the draft and Sammy Watkins during free agency that is going to push Marquise Brown to the slot. And by doing so, one, that's going to take the, the defensive uh, attention off of him. He, was, he never should have been the alpha or the main target in, in an offense. So by bringing those other guys in, that's going to be a huge help in getting some of that attention off of him. And then two, the biggest thing is is that is where Lamar Jackson is a much better passer. Middle of the field is, is where he does his most damage. Looking at PFF, the way that they break this up is they do left outside, between the numbers, and then right outside, and then they break it down by yardage. So it's behind the line of scrimmage, 0-9, 10-19, to, nine, 10 to 19, and then 20-plus. So if we only look at these two spots where it's the middle of the field and passes that go either 10 to 19 or 20 plus. Those account for 31% of Lamar Jackson's yards and nearly 39% of his touchdowns during the regular season over the past two years. So now you're getting Marquise Brown going to that spot. And last year, Marquise Brown had the seventh most deep targets in the league, but he also had the seventh most unrealized air yards just meaning the the difference between the amount of air yards he got and what he caught. So even, you know, that I, I don't think that he's going to have 25 deep targets again, but even if those target numbers come down, but now he's getting them in the middle of the field where Lamar Jackson is a better, better passer. And I do think we see him bounce back slightly. He definitely regressed from the point where he was two years ago where he had his MVP season. So I think there's going to be, uh, you know, a, a little bit of both working there for – for Marquise Brown is going to be in the middle of the field where Lamar Jackson is much more comfortable passing. I think we see that you know regression kind of move back a little bit more positively from where it was last year and then not having to be the, the focal point of, the, of a passing defense. So I think uh, all those things I really don't see any way that Marquise Brown doesn't pay off his current draft price. And then the, the, the last thing to note real quick is if you've been paying attention to any of the reports coming out from Ravens camp, there's been a lot of emphasis put on the passing game. Uh, You know they've talked about J.K. Dobbins getting more involved as a passer. We've seen a lot of things about you know even Devin Duvernay has been popping up, Mark Andrews popping up with how good he's been looking. So it definitely seems like there shouldn't be any way that the Ravens finish last in passing attempts and pass rate this season. So I think all these things point to uh, a, a a sleeper year. For Marquise Brown.
0: Yeah, I mean, if 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 the Ravens take that jump, like the uh, or Lamar Jackson, for that matter, takes that jump, that kind of Josh Allen did, once they started surrounding him with more talent, I think that's certainly range possible. And we've been getting a lot of, you know, this offense is going to look much different than what we've typically seen. And you know, to be honest, with you, I, I don't know how much longer the Ravens can really continue to let Lamar if they if they view him as their 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 franchise of the future or the quarterback of the future, somebody that they want for the next ten years, then like. You can't continue to let him run at, the, at this clip and rush for a thousand yards every year, you know, and rack up all these rushing yards carries, or because eventually it's going to take a toll on him. Eventually, he is going to get hurt. Like, it's he's not like some well built quarterback like Cam Newton or something like that, right? Like, he is much slender in frame, and obviously, he hasn't gotten hurt to this point, but it's just not something that you're going to want to continue if you're going to invest. $200, 300000000 million into this guy, Like, there's no way you're going to invest that kind of money and be like, okay, dude, yeah, we're going to let you continue to run like this. And so he's going to have to develop as a quarterback. And so maybe that is what they want to see from him this year and see what he can do. And that's why they went out and surrounded him with, with more weapons because this is the best talent he's had. I don't mind Marquise Brown. I think Marquise Brown was miscasted a little bit. Like He's not your typical number one. But I think he can be a solid wide receiver three flex option for a lot of teams that you're not really asking him to do that. Opens up the field for the rest of the team. Moving on to my next guy is going to be another wide receiver who uh, kind of flashed and then kind of had a little bit of a down year last year. And I'm going to go with Michael Gallup. It wasn't a great year for him last year, but he still had 106 targets. Obviously, they lost Dak. You know, they they were dealing with Andy Dalton for most of the year, but he still finished with 59 receptions, 843 yards, and five touchdowns. And, you know, looking at some of the other numbers, he was heavily utilized inside the end zone, you know, inside the red zone and, you know, within the uh, five yard line. among all wide receivers last year on that team, uh, he led the team in red zone targets, and he was second in end zone targets, only behind CeeDee Lamb. Three of his five touchdowns came from there. You know, I mean, he had 11% of the targets inside the end zone and uh, 33% of the target share inside the red zone, which was by far the most in the team. He was top five in contested catch rate last year as well. So I think with a full year of DAC in this offense, and if anything happens to CeeDee Lamb or uh, Amari Cooper, for that matter, I mean, it's wheels up for Michael Gallup, who the year before we saw him, he was putting up top 20 fantasy points per game performances. Now last year, he he wasn't as consistent. He did still have some pretty big weeks. Week three, 25.8 against Seattle. Week 13 against Baltimore, 21.6. And then 30.1 against Philly, where he went out uh, six for 121 and two touchdowns. So the, the, the upside is certainly there still for him. And you're getting him in like the eighth, Ninth round. If I can get Michael Gallup eighth or ninth round, one of the best offenses in all of football, because this defense in Dallas is still going to be hot garbage this year. And so I, I don't mind taking him there at all. uh You know, he's somebody that, you know, he, you're not taking him as like a wide receiver three. He's probably going to be your wide receiver five, wide receiver six at that point, maybe wide receiver four, but I'm, I'm still okay with that. The upside is certainly there with a full season of Dak. And I mean, I think nine or 10 of of the 16 games last year. I mean, he he had at least five targets in every one of those games. So he's seeing opportunity. Uh, If you really also look at the schedule they played last year, it was a pretty brutal schedule. They played a lot of the top end corners last year. Uh, This year looks a little bit better for him as well. So I just really like Michael Gallup. I think, you know, on his own, I think he's a solid flex play for most, uh, you know, especially matchup dependent. But I think if you look at the weeks that, um, you know, if anything happens to CeeDee Lamb or Amari Cooper, you got a kind of a golden ticket there as a solid wide receiver too that you got in the ninth round.
2: I wish we had more disagreements, but I, I agree with this one as well. And he's someone who I, I would really enjoy seeing – on a team where he's not, you know, behind guys like Cooper and, and CD Lamb. The second receiver I'm going to bring to the table here for my sleepers for 2021 is Elijah Moore. I feel like he could kind of fit the bill of like what our old school term of sleeper just because like he's on the Jets, there's been a little bit of buzz about him, you know, with with dynasty anyway, but with, you know, with redraft like it hasn't really hit redraft yet. And you can definitely tell because of what his price tag is. Uh, currently wide receiver 63 on underdog with an ADP of 143.7. And I am you know, I kind of reference the 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 hype and the the drum beat that's starting to swell up for for Elijah Moore. The early, you know practice OTA reports that we're getting from the Jets right now is that Elijah Moore is clear cut no questions asked the best skill position player they have and he's been the best player uh, who's been showing out on offense and defense one of the uh, one of the reports said and then you take into consideration what his collegiate profile was and I I'm buying in on all this we had Christian do a really nice job of doing a, a fuller dive into Elijah Moore you can check that video out on the YouTube channel if you want to after this. But real quick, I mean, we're just talking about a guy who has 4-4 speed, 85th percentile college-dominated rating, and an 82nd percentile breakout age. And it's not like we're talking about somebody who was at, you know, New Mexico University. He was at Ole Miss, and he was playing with guys like, in case you haven't heard of them, uh, DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown. He, he was playing with them, and he was still putting up solid numbers. And obviously, whenever they went to the NFL – he just really blew up. So I'm definitely buying in on him. And, you know, like you were talking about with the Cowboys, the Jets' defense, although it is uh, slightly improved, it's still, still not going to be a defense. It's going to be able to hold many teams back there's going to be plenty of targets to go around. It kind of seems like right now, as we said, that Elijah Moore is on the fast track to get more than his fair share. So he's somebody who I I think is going to end up rising up. I don't think the price is going to be anything. It's really going to push me away from him personally. Elijah Moore is someone who you need to make sure you have on your radar, especially as you get toward those later rounds of your draft.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think actually this Jets offense is actually one of those intriguing offenses because everybody's being so undervalued. And I mean, it's not even him, it's Corey Davis, it's Denzel Mims. I mean, all of them are, late, are available late. I mean, even the quarterback was Zach Wilson, the man, Chris Herndon, all, all, as well. So I just think this offense is an interesting one to take advantage of. And with a completely new offense, uh, you know, obviously Adam Gase is gone. And, you know, I, I think that... I think somebody's going to emerge from this group as being fantasy relevant and fantasy viable. I, you know, we may not be—we're not talking about a fantasy, you know wide receiver one, but somebody that's going to be a low end wide receiver two, or probably more like wide receiver three, or receiver four. But there's going to be some fantasy relevance here, much less than what there was last year, right? Because last year, I mean, there was never a time that you really wanted, you know, maybe Jameson Crowder, and that was it. But so I, I really don't mind that Elijah Moore is as a fucking stud too. Like I, I would not be surprised. If, you know, he was like the number two uh, scoring rookie wide receiver by the end of the year, like he's that good. Like he is that he's that guy. So for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click com or just stop by. Granger
1: for the ones who get it done.
0: Speaking of wide receivers that are being undervalued right now and offenses that are being undervalued, I like Michael Pittman. I continue to like Michael Pittman. He gets no buzz whatsoever, and a second year wide receiver as well. And this offense, like I said, I think is going to be a lot better than people are going to credit for. And so Michael Pittman, I think can take a big step forward this year. Like I think he can be that guy that is kind of that security blanket for Carson Wentz, right? That guy that he looks to in situations, whether you want to look at him kind of like a 2017 version of Alshon Jeffrey there in, you know, in, in Philly, who he had like 900 receiving yards. And like, I know he had 10 plus touchdowns as well that year. I think it was 10 or 11 touchdowns in that year against Philly. Like I, I think you can see that type of a year this year for Michael Pittman, you know, a thousand yards and seven or eight touchdowns, and he's going in the ninth round. And so I just think it's absolutely egregious that he's being undervalued. Um, I think he is going to be the guy who's uh, used some on, on, you know, deep, uh, deep targets, but I think more than anything, he is going to eat underneath and those short intermediate targets, and you know the kind of that 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 chain mover, that Michael Thomas type role, play a lot from the slot on the outside. I think he can you kind of move him around a little bit, and you know with Ty Hilton mixing in there, so I think Michael Pittman can have 120, 130 targets this year for the Colts, and so I, I like him quite a bit. I think he is being severely, severely undervalued right now. If you want to do a little stack. You know it's a pretty cheap stack. Carson Wentz and Michael Pittman. I like that call again.
2: Wish I could. Uh, we could have some more back and forth and some more debate here, but not going to be with Michael Pittman. The last guy I want to talk about, and much like you, someone who, if you've been listening to us, you've heard us talk about these guys. The guy that I, I'm going to continually talk about all offseason. There's, I, I can't imagine I'm going to be getting, you know, getting away from this guy at all because I don't see his price increasing whatsoever. Wide receiver seventy two, Amonra St. Brown, for the Detroit Lions. I actually think he he could actually fit the old school definition of sleeper, where like there isn't anyone talking about him. I'm sure there's somebody out there who has, but I really haven't seen anything for Amonra St. Brown. I mean, you're, you're talking about a guy who didn't who got a bunch of buzz with the Devi community two years ago that kind of died off. Then he was getting a little bit of buzz going into the draft. Then he goes in the fourth round of the Detroit Lions. So any buzz he did have, that died off as well. But with him going to Detroit, he's going to a wide receiver group with, let me uh, let me check my notes here. Oh, yeah, Rashad Perriman and Tyrell Williams. I, I literally think he's walking into that room, and he is their best wide receiver day one right now, no questions asked. I mean, we've been getting the reports of like Jared Goff been struggling a little bit. And with Perriman and Williams being on the outside, is they're you know, they're both kind of deep threat, bigger body wide receivers. I don't think Jared Goff is really going to be targeting those guys on the outside all that much. So you're looking at him uh, fighting with targets with DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson. Like there's no reason why modern St. Brown can't be at least third in targets at the end of the year behind those two. And they're going to be throwing early and often, you know, no matter how much Dan Campbell is going to want to try and control the control the clock and, you know, be a ground-and-pound, aggressive, you know, knock-you-in-the-teeth kind of team. They simply don't have that on their roster right now to be able to do that. So, uh, you know, modern St. Brown, like I said, Getting somebody like Michael Pittman in the ninth round as their wide receiver one. You can get a wide receiver one for a team even later with Amonra St. Brown. Like I said, wide receiver 72 and his ADP is 168. But he's somebody who I'm just going to continually talk about all offseason. Get used to it because he's not going away. Even if his price goes up, it's not going to go up dramatically because, you know, much like with uh, Elijah Moore and the Jets, there's just going to be a, a lot of stench that's associated with that offense. So a moderate St. Brown, get used to it.
0: It's, it's, not, it's not a sexy team to target. I'm, I'm not one to target. Not but, but, I mean, like you mentioned, like you laid out, I mean, there's going to be opportunities there. Um, you know, for my last guy that I, I was kind of going back and forth on who I should go with, you know, I, I could talk about Darnell Mooney, but I feel like I've talked about him a ton um, already. And, I mean, I love Darnell Mooney, but Darnell Mooney's starting to get a lot of, like, hype and, like, so – That You don't really need me to talk about him. Just know that I think he's an absolute stud. It's somebody that I think that is being undervalued as well. It's the number two wide receiver in that Bears offense. And then I thought about talking about Russell Gage because, you know, now with Julio gone. But Russell Gage, I think, is a really solid floor play type wide receiver. Somebody if you're looking for 12 to 14 fantasy points, I think he can give that to you. Uh, If you look at him last year, though, he didn't really – even the games without Julio, like he didn't like ball out or anything like that. He was top 18 over the final six weeks um in targets but he was just kind of a guy I mean he's he's solid like I think he's a you know kind of a, a steady eddie type guy I think his ADP is going to rise he'll probably see him go probably in the 40s uh, maybe maybe early 50s I don't mind that at all if you can get him there because I think that if you can get him as like your wide receiver 4 wide receiver 5 I think he's going to have opportunities that defense is terrible in Atlanta so I, I don't mind that at all but the guy that I really want to talk about is Marquez Callaway from the Saints and Ooh. So for, for him, like I like it. Emmanuel Sanders is gone and uh, you know, uh now has and went on to Buffalo. So they didn't they didn't add anybody over the offseason. This offense is kind of the same. I like Traquan Smith as well, but I think he is gonna be harder to predict on most weeks. I don't think he's gonna get a steady, consistent, you know, target share. Um, I do like that them two uh, uh, James Jameis Winston and him have been working this offseason um a lot. Uh, they've been uh you know doing workouts and stuff together, so they should have some built-in rapport. Plus, Jameis was there last year, but Marcus Calloway is also a guy that I think that should get some recognition. Not a lot of guys are going to talk about it. He didn't get a ton of opportunity last year because he was kind of buried, um, kind of the number four guy, 44% snap share last year, played 48% of the snaps from the slot, 132 routes run. He only had 27 targets, 213 receiving yards on 21 receptions, no touchdowns, average 5.3 fantasy points per game. He only really had one game last year, uh, week seven against Carolina, where he had 15 and a half fantasy points. But other than that, he didn't really do a whole lot. But – he has the opportunity to be the number two wide receiver um, on the. Eight. I think I think he has a shot to be that uh, that X uh, possibly Y wide receiver on the outside. You know, he's not going to wow you with his um, his athleticism, but I think he's athletic enough. He ran a four five five coming out because he's probably not a guy a lot of people know about. He came from Tennessee. But he does have incredible burst, eighty-second percentile burst score. I just think he's somebody that that is nobody's nobody's talking about. Six foot one, two hundred five has the size on an offense with Sean Payton that I think you know now without Drew Brees, somebody that can throw deep, and I think that we're going to be able to open up this offense a little bit more. And has the opportunity to be the number two wide receiver here, and he's absolutely free. Nobody's talking right now in uh, best ball. He's going two thirteen the 213th overall, right? So he's absolutely free. I think taking a shot on him in the, you know, in the later rounds, 13th, 14th round, if it did not work out fine, but I think the upside is there for Marquez Callaway. I know a lot of people are going to go to Traquan, and I like Traquan too. It's kind of a dart throw, but I think that Marquez Callaway could be much more of a guy that can give you consistent opportunity versus a guy like Traquan, where I think he's going to kind of be boom or bust.
2: Kevin Steele. Mr. Dynasty Hater himself coming through with the low key Dynasty buy. I, I like Marquez for for Dynasty purposes as well. For someone for you can snag for super cheap and don't let that forty kind of you know shy you away. You were talking about like not you know maybe not great athletically. Uh, he was used primarily as Tennessee's deep threat and just pulled up. Uh, I, I knew it was going to be a high number, but I just pulled up Player Profiler. He has a ninetieth percentile college yard per reception, so don't let the uh, don't let that four five five forty fool you. He he can't get deep. He can't work in in that regard as well. Do you have any other names you kind of just want to throw out here at the end? Not really dive into just uh, any honorable mentions. Like for me, Emmanuel Sanders, I think is someone we can pay attention to. Is the kind of bringing the grizzled old vet. As in terms of a sleeper, he's going at wide receiver fifty-one. Now has digs to kind of pull all the attention away from him, and I, I still think he has some left in the uh, in the tank. I think John Brown, even though he only like, appeared, in, I think nine games last year, he still averaged almost six targets per game. So there's going to be enough targets for him to go around. And this offense isn't going to be changing their philosophy anytime soon in terms of their uh, their approach to the passing game. He's worthy of a of a mention, and then Rondell Moore as well. I think you know uh, wide receiver two in that offense, and we're both expecting. Kyler Murray for for this year that he like puts everything all together for a full season so I think he's another name to throw out who's also going around the same range as I think Elijah Moore is
0: to me I think there's some guys that we should be monitoring keeping a very close eye on to see see, see kind of how things turn out here but I do think there's definitely some names we should be taking a look at uh Terrace Marshall uh, has every opportunity to be a stud this year really wouldn't shock me again he's another guy that you know if he's a Top two or three rookie, you know, by the end of the year that, that we look back on him, like, ah, you know, maybe a lot, a lot like Justin Jefferson last year. There wasn't a lot of people that excited about Justin Jefferson preseason, right? Now, I'm not saying that that's the type of year that Justin Jefferson or that uh, Terrace Marshall is going to have, but I think he's in the right spot, the right situation to take advantage of that. Because if anything happens to Robbie Anderson, uh, you're looking at him being the number two wide receiver and getting a ton of targets on the outside, where I think that would bump DJ Moore. I hope even without that i hope they bump bumped dj more into the slot but regardless of that it's still a great opportunity but i just think some some wide receivers that we should be keeping a really close eye on i think some other guys like brian edwards he kind of got hurt last year another guy that kind of showed some flashes here and there just never really got many opportunities but somebody that that again i could take a big step forward this year i'm kind of interested to see how he does and then like guys like van jefferson jacoby myers who uh you know, kind of had, had their opportunities last year as well. So I just think there's a lot of wide receivers that I'm going to be keeping an eye on that I think could end up being um – Guys that we kind of look at that that uh, end up falling into this mold, but aren't quite there yet. Yeah, McCole Hardman, you know, the, I think the Chiefs' number two wide receiver is going to be one that everybody's going to be paying a lot of attention to. I think everybody's handed it to McCole Hardman because he's the name that I think the most people recognize the most, and was uh, you know people have kind of been waiting to break out in Kansas City. He hasn't done it. People seem to think now, like I'm seeing a lot of articles and I read a few places where people have talked about uh, McCole Hardman, like he hasn't had any opportunity, like. Now that Sammy Watkins is gone, he's going to get all this opportunity. I'm like, bitch, where do you think Sammy Watkins has been sitting his ass on the bench? He's had opportunities. This is the same situation that pretty much was last year. Sammy Watkins missed a ton of time last year, and he never took a hold of those reins either. And so this is definitely the year, because if he doesn't pan out this year, he's gone. But you have DeMarcus Robinson, who's going to be in the mix, Byron Pringle, and Cornell Powell. So this is that, that, that number two wide receiver spot. Is going to be one that I think a lot of people should be paying attention to heading into next year.
2: Yeah, like Kev, like you were mentioning, uh, pay attention to those reports. We're going to make sure we have some information coming out for you guys regarding that. Haven't fully decided how we're going to do it yet. Whether it's going to be like a weekly podcast, we'll definitely be doing the the daily recaps on Twitter. So if uh, that was that was a big hit for us last year, so if uh, if you're on Twitter not yet following us. We are at FF underscore authority. We're going to be putting stuff out on TikTok as well. So, and then as always here on the YouTube channel, hit us with a subscribe, hit us with a like, drop a comment, let us know what you think about some of these names. And if there's anyone that we didn't mention who you think needs to be mentioned as far as wide receiver sleepers go for 2021. So until next time, for Kev, for myself, for the TFA fam, we'll talk to you soon.